Members of the opposition, the the opposition leader, Peter Dutton, and also his shadow minister met with the government's voice working group for the second time yesterday. And they had a stark warning about the outcome that they're predicting. David Spears is the host of Insiders. Samantha Maiden is the national political editor for news.com.au. And they are both our guests. Welcome again, guys. Good morning. Good morning. We're just plugging in here. So know, hopefully you can I hear know, us. I know. Trying to go slowly, trying to give you the time to be comfortable. <laughs> Good. Peter. We're all, all together now. David, Peter Dutton, Julian Lisa warned mm. the working group that the referendum is on track for defeat. I mean, it's a rather gloomy outcome they've given it. Um, does this give us any indication where they'll land? Are they softening everyone up for the fact that they might go? Are they, are they leaning no? Well, I... I'd say, yes, they're leaning no, but they didn't emerge from this second meeting with the working group yesterday to announce any final position. Look, I think, um, you know, the the comment that they think the referendum is on track to fail reflects what most Liberals and Nationals uh, around the building will will tell you as well. Um, Most in the government and most yes advocates will say the opposite, that they reckon it's, it's on track to win. All of that is is a bit of crystal balling, really, at the moment. The referendum itself won't be until October or November. Uh, we're still in the process of getting the wording finalised. That working group will will finish that up in a couple of weeks, and then the bill goes to Parliament next month. Right now, it's clear that we don't have bipartisanship, despite these two meetings. And yes, that is uh, an issue. Um, tomorrow starts this week of action. It'll be interesting to see what that involves and whether that shifts the dial. Sam, the opposition is concerned about the draft wording. They say it's unclear and and keeps changing. Are we likely to see that clarified? I mean, David gave us an idea about the way that the timeline is working, but uh, these issues they're raising about wording and it's shifting, is is this one of the fault lines here? I feel like this conversation about this whole thing is like being trapped in the world's worst strata title meeting. Um... (laughs) I mean, come on, <laughs> like we're, we're, we're sitting around talking about, you know, Peter Dutton goes to this meeting and he says he doesn't have the detail. Look, I just think the bottom line is that the request for further detail about how this work actually seems reasonable to me. I understand why they're a bit of a bind in terms of the timeline of providing that detail, but I don't think it's unreasonable. Equally, I think a lot of the people asking for that detail are not really doing it in good faith. And this is a conversation we've had before, right? Like they say they don't have the detail. When they get the detail, they'll find a problem with the detail. Um, So, you know, I think that if they do want to win this debate, at some point they've got to find a way of shifting the debate into something that is positive and um, about how it's going to change Australia and make you feel good, not this horrible nightmare of minutiae where you just want me to, well, I personally, I accept, I'm now admitting this, um, just wake me up when it's over. Just sort it out. I, I can't bear this. It, like, I, yeah. The strata anyway. meeting is an interesting, interesting description. Well, but it's just is- ridiculous. Like, it's just ridiculous. And I, and I and I think that they need to, you know, like sort out the detail and like get back to us when they've done that or something. Okay. I don't know. Let's move to the well, the hugest story, and it's going to be big again today. David, early this week, the RBA governor fronted Senate estimates, and today mm. he he's going to be appearing before the House Economics Committee. He's been questioned around the nine rapid interest rate rises and the prospect of more to come. 
Uh, and it seems uh, that you know he's he's certainly going to survive this period. He's not not going to go anywhere. How do you think this is kind of impacting though on the political debate? Clearly, the opposition is trying to put the government in the frame for being responsible for the inflation issue. Yes, they are, and you know you, there's clearly nervousness in the in the government about this. Otherwise, I, I doubt we'd be seeing so many Labor MPs um, telling the Reserve Bank that it, it should hit the pause button on all these rate rises. And of course, that political pressure uh, only grows every time the unemployment rate goes up, as we saw yesterday, up from three and a half to three point seven percent, a little worse than some are expecting. Historically, though, still a pretty darn good figure. But if it does keep edging up, as as the Reserve Bank is forecasting, it will for the next well two and a half years. Um, under under its forecast, well, yes, that's tricky. It gets trickier for the government. It's an inevitable consequence of jacking up rates that much. For Philip Lowe, um, look, he's a pretty cool customer. Um, <laughs> I thought he did. He, I thought he did pretty you know, well. He did pretty well Wednesday. I'm sure today, you know, he's not going to you know, shift his his line, his argument. He remains calm. He keeps that. You know, placid smile on his face, even when people are telling him what he should do and whether he should be um, quitting his job. You know, he's, he's 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 not diverting from the course that he's on. It will be interesting, though, if he thinks this uh, rising unemployment, whether we see any sort of shift, subtle, you know, um, shift in the in the language around several more rate rises to come, given given those data that data yesterday. Mm. Uh, Sam, obviously that that is like the the central conversation at the moment in this country. People talking about their cost of living. It genuinely is the biggest issue people are dealing with. Uh, the RBA governor is unlikely to get another term, isn't he? Yes, and um, while you were conducting that excellent interview with Amanda Rishworth, um, Patricia Carvelis, I was conducting a rogue operation where I was actually trying to listen to your interview and the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese on ABC Melbourne at the same time. Um, And there was actually some really interesting things in that interview where Charlie Pickering said to him, um, you know, are you going to reappoint him for a seven-year term? And the Prime Minister responded, he's doing his job now. (laughs) And Charlie Pickering responded, he's doing his job now, hardly a ringing endorsement. Um, And then um, Mr Albanese went on to say, the government hasn't come to a view on reappointment in the future. That's a decision of the Treasurer. So, yeah, I think all the signs are there that he's had seven years and he probably won't get another term. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he's put on the spot a bit more about that. Um, in today's hearing, you know, like I think that I take your point that he's very calm and very measured um, and no judgment or anything, but he he does have an unfortunate nervous giggle. And during, you know, this week's earlier hearings, there was a little, he, he has a sort of this nervous tittering when he talks about the banks making record profits as interest rates well, it, are going it, it, it came out when he reflected on the, what did he call it, the non-stop rolling media yes. attention that he's facing, nervous giggle. Um, and <laughs> he does he referred, do that, doesn't he? Yeah. The signature nervous giggle. He repeated a few times the fact that it's not just me, it's nine members of the board making these apparently unanimous uh, decisions he, he pointed out on Wednesday as well, which I... I found interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Okay, David, quickly on, well, climate. (laughs) It's not Mm. a quick issue, but, you know, we're going to do it quickly. This week's negotiations between the Greens and and the government about the safety mechanism showed, I think, that the climate wars are far from over. But the only reason, of course, that, that the government's having to negotiate with the Greens is the coalition has closed the door on this. 
Yeah, this is high stakes for all three uh, sides on this, really. I mean, the government needs this. This is its pathway to get to 43% by 2030, net zero by 2050. The coalition have decided to maintain the rage, as you say, on the climate wars, calling this a, a tax. They're voting no, and, and that carries great risks in any effort to win back teal seats. And for the Greens, well, yeah, Adam Bant's got a bunch of MPs who campaigned and won seats saying no more coal and gas. So they don't want him to keep giving ground uh, to the government rolling over every time. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's high stakes for the government. Their approach to this situation this week has been um, confrontational rather than the negotiations. That, that will no doubt come. But right now it's about publicly berating uh, the, the coalition as being pig-headed and the no-alition, calling the Greens um, uh, weak, uh, ineffectual, uh, smug uh, and wrong. So it's all about bashing the two sides into submission. That hasn't worked yet. Uh, and, and maybe they will have to give some ground. But I, look, I don't think the government can say um, no new coal and gas as the Greens are demanding. So where this ends right now, we don't know. Sam, just before we hit the news, a story out today. The former Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, is in Tokyo and later today he will address the Inter-Parliamentary Alliance on China. He's calling on the Albanese government to consider sanctions against the Chinese government officials over human rights abuses against Uyghurs. Really, really, you know, that muscling up to China language. What's going on? Well, I mean, it's quite a strong speech. He is... Uh you know, accusing the West of appeasing Beijing. Um, he's claimed credit again for rallying other countries to call out the bullying of the Chinese government. You know, he's obviously talking about the debate that took place um, after that in relation to COVID. Um, this is a conference in Tokyo that he'll also be attending with Liz Truss, the British Prime Minister of 44 days. Um, and so, yeah, like he's really ramping up that rhetoric. Um, this time, we should point out, he was in Parliament yesterday. He did... Uh, take a few early minutes in some of these other previous trips he's done overseas. Um, but he did stick around for question time, but he's making his way to Japan and he'll be giving that speech today. And David, how's the government responding? Uh, they're not taking up the, the suggestion. Richard Miles um, this morning on the ABC's you know, made that clear. They're obviously concerned about this human rights issue, but they're not going to go that far by the sounds. But I think it's interesting... Um, Scott Morrison, in the nine months or so since losing office, has very deliberately avoided comment on any domestic political matter. Yes, he'll try to defend his legacy if he, if he needs to and was, of course, front and centre in all the you know, coverage of the, the Morrison ministries and so on. But he's, he's, not, uh, he's tried to avoid chipping in on where the government should be going domestically. But China, for him, uh, does remain a, a, a big issue of concern. That's what he's speaking about in Tokyo. And you know, he's got other events where he's very focused on this and this does apply a bit more pressure on the government. It'll be interesting to see if it's an idea that Peter Dutton now takes up with Scott Morrison's urging here. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting to note mm. uh, what he's weighing in on. David, I have to ask you before you go, because my listeners keep asking, what's happened to the insider's Twitter account? Oh, no. Oh, are they? They are. Uh, God, well, what's happening? It's, it's what is a, happening with what, it, David? It's, it's been a, shut down. It's very important. It's uh, all in the name of uh, consolidation. We uh, still have the ABC News Twitter account. Um, I still have my Twitter account, and uh, we'll still be tweeting out on that account, as will a number of other uh, programs, News Breakfast, uh, ABC Politics, and uh, and so on. It has a yeah, huge so If you want to really following. stick it to the man, you can still go right. at David Spears. I was about to say, you. what you're saying <laughs> is that we can still troll you, David, um, I'm, I'll just oh, get on. We won't be doing nice that. We'll be PK. saying something nice. I'm making a joke. Um, we'll be saying your hair looks lovely today, David. Which it always time. does. We're out of time. David, who's your guest, briefly? 
look, I'm still waiting on a couple of callbacks. <laughs> All right, David. It'll be a big Surprise. reveal Sunday morning. Surprise, David Spears, host of Insiders, Samantha Maiden, national political editor for news.com.au. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.